Welcome to The Raven Narratives, stories from the high desert. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told live by Lindsay DeZoritz at the Sunflower Theater in Cortez, Colorado in January of 2016, when the theme for the evening was Wild Places. Lindsay is originally from upstate New York, but has suffered from great wanderlust her whole life, living in seven countries over the last 12 years, learning to speak six languages and encountering snakes, flooded rivers, and a slew of incredibly interesting humans along the way. Here's Lindsay's story. So this story hails from the magical land and wild place of West Africa, where I was privileged to spend two years as a Peace Corps volunteer in a small village of the Pulafuta tribe. And among the Pulafuta, there is a proverb that goes like this. Si aheutika sare, atawe yimbe fop no uda yitere botere, ankari uda haoyauta. And this proverb means, if you come to a village and you find that every person in the village has one eye shut, then you too close one eye until you pass through. So come with me to this village. We're gonna fly across the Atlantic Ocean and land on the very westernmost tip of the African continent, which is the capital city of Senegal, Dakar. And from there, we will get into a battered Peugeot station wagon and start down the longest, straightest, hottest, driest road there is, and pass a lot of small villages and um, boys herding cows and bumping down this road for about somewhere between nine and 16 hours, depending on the car and how hot it is. And, um, and then we take a right, get close to the Malian border, then we take a right and turn down a road headed south. And this road, slightly more curvy, a little more interesting, a lot less paved. And we take this road almost all the way to the Guinean border and we get to this small city called Kedegu, which means the city of men. And this is this strange little outpost that's in this southeastern corner of Senegal where people aren't really sure uh, what country they're in. It's really close to Mali, it's really close to Guinea. It's actually seated firmly in the country of Senegal, but that's not so important. Geographic lines aren't drawn in the sand, uh, which is, it is sand. And from there we get out of the car and what I would do is get on my bicycle and I would head down this very red laterite road headed back west. And there were 15 hills to get to my village. Um, And this bike ride took me anywhere from three to nine hours depending on if the road was dry, uh, how many people I had to greet on the way there, and various other factors, and eventually turn off the road and into the forest and start to go through this um, acacia brush, really thorny and prickly, and uh, skirt around these thorns and pricks and end up at the tiny village of Matakosi, 
which is the village that I spent two years in as a Peace Corps volunteer. And the village of Matakosi is, um, there, there were 400 inhabitants at the time, and 250 of those inhabitants were children, so under the age of 18, so 150 adults. And it was pretty far out there. Um, there was no electricity, no running water, no school, no health post. So a pretty quiet village, pretty rural. And it was exactly what I'd asked for. I said, you know, I really want the genuine African village experience if it still exists. It's like, send me to the ends of the earth. And I got, I got my slice of that um, in Matakosi. I'm not sure that many people did at that time, and I'm sure it's even rarer now. And, and I landed there, and I lived in a mud hut with a mud floor and mud walls and a straw roof in the chief's compound, because that's where guests land, is in the chief's compound. And the chief was my dad, and his three wives were my three mothers, and, um, and that's where I was, in Matakosi. So I landed and started to get acquaint acquainted with things and um, learned pretty quickly that a lot of my day um, was gonna be taken up by sitting around and hanging out in my compound. So my compound, the chief's compound, there were a circle of about 10 huts. Um, each hut had at least one adult and then a lot of children. And that was my family, that was my, my home space. And that's where everything started from and came back to. So it's really hot there. So we would do things, you know, sunrise and sunset. That was like when you went out and got water and when you went to the fields and herded the goats and did your farming. And when I would go around and visit people and learn the language and hang with children and learn words. And then it would get hot and you come back to the compound and sit under the mango tree, find a little bit of shade and talk. And we would do that every day. So I'd be sitting there with the same group of people, my family, my newfound family, and sharing stories, sharing just the gossip of the village, whose goat was sick, whose cow had trampled, whose cornfield, and who was pregnant with whose baby, and the same stuff that we all talk about, right? And then, Sunset would come and we'd do our sunset stuff and we'd come back and at night, same thing, there would be back in the compound. And we'd lie around and look up at the stars and talk. And so a lot of times what would happen aside from these common conversations was, you know, I was there. So when I started to get a hold of the language especially, often the conversation would turn towards, hey, Rokia which was my name there. My name was Rokia in Senegal. They would say, Rokia, like what, you know, what is your life like? And asking me all kinds of questions about where I come from. And we'd look up at the stars and they'd see, you know, we'd see like an airplane pass and they would say, like that's how you got here. Like what is it like being up in the airplane? Like do you fly next to the stars? And what happens when it rains? Like do you get wet in there? And just all these questions. And so I was really curious um, when I was there to find out more about their worldview. And I was so curious, like, what do they think the stars are? And so I asked them, and they would be like, oh, you know, they're the stars. They're Hodere. 
And they'd say, what, what do you think they are? I'd say, well, I learned in my American school that they're you know, burning balls of gas millions of miles away, and they're big like fires up in the sky, and we can only see them because they're so bright and so hot. Like our sun, the sun is a star. That's how it's hot and bright for us here. And they'd be like, Rokia, like what, what are you talking about? Like that's burning balls of fire? That's not, stars aren't burning balls of fire. Like the sun is hot, we know that, the sun is hot. But the stars are cold. And the stars were very definitively cold to them, which I found really interesting. So we had this conversation a lot, like going back and forth. And the other pleasure of living in the chief's compound is that, um, like me, the guests that had landed in the chief's compound, any guest that came through the village would stop there and stay there. That was the rule. You had to greet the chief and either be given shelter in his compound or you'd be sent out to someone else's house in the village. So all the visitors would come through the chief's compound and over and over it would be this like, you know, bedraggled traveler coming through who is going to visit a sick relative or taking his goats to market. And they'd come into our compound and kind of land. And all of a sudden, I would be there. <laughs> and they'd be like, who is this girl? And like, why does she speak Pular? And what are you doing here? And where is your husband? And can, hey, chief, like, she's yours to give away, right? Like, can, 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 I, can I have her? Can I marry her? And so this was really common, so I kind of learned over time like how to banter my way through these situations and navigate this. Um, and one night, there was an elder who came through the village, and he was, he was a chief of another village. And he came through, and we're lying on the prayer mats underneath the sky. And again, this conversation drifts back to the stars, and we're talking about them, and they were like, hey, you know, you know what's really funny? Like, Rokia thinks that the stars are hot. And he's like, huh, everybody knows that the stars are cold. And so I ask him, I say, well, how do you know? Have you ever touched one? And he says, no, but I know somebody who has. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So I'm really intrigued and I'm feeling confident and kind of cocky and I'm like, and he's already asked, you know, what's her bride price? How many cows do I need to give her, like you for her? And the chief's like, oh, you can't afford her. And you know, she also has an American father, so you'd have to go all the way to him and ask and whatever, that's already happened. And so I decided to say like, you know, I'm really intrigued. Like, you know someone who's picked up a star? So I say to him, if you can bring me a fallen star, I'll marry you. <laughs> and everyone starts laughing. Like, they're like uproariously laughing at this statement. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, what, like, what have I said wrong? Am I, do I know these words correctly? Like, have I just promised myself to someone? Like, could this possibly happen? And so, so anyway, so that occurs, and I'm kind of worried about it, but I'm also like, I could get out of it if I need to. So anyway, a few days pass, and um, a couple days later, my, my mom, my, I had a designated mother of the three wives. She was my nene, and she comes to, to my hut in the morning, and she brings me my, my breakfast, and she says to me, like, just this little hint of something, she says, Hey, you want to know something? The chief has a star in his hut. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, he has one. You should ask him to see it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, of course I want to see it. 
And then she leaves, and I'm like totally mystified by this mystery and this promise of figuring this out. And so that night, we're in the compound, and I'm like aching, like itching to ask him. And we're sitting around, same conversation happens, we're talking about the stars, we're talking about the sky, and then this, the conversation drifts to something else, like someone else it starts talking about something, and I happen to be sitting next to the chief, and we're sitting on this little bamboo platform, and I'm kind of close to him, and, and I realize no one's paying attention to us, and I like turn and sort of whisper, like, hey, chief, I hear that you have a star. And he looks at me, and I know that he's heard me, but he doesn't respond. And so I just say, well, if you'd show it to me, I'd really like to see it. And we go to bed. And the next morning, my nanny comes to my door, and she brings me my morning porridge. And she says, so the chief told me that he's ready to show you the star. But you have to wait until like, everybody's gone to do their morning thing and then come out and, and go, go see him. And so I'm like, OK, all right. You know, so I eat really fast. And I'm waiting for everybody to leave. And the compound clears. People go out to the fields. And people go to do their thing. And I step out. And it's totally quiet. And there's my nene in the compound stirring a pot. And she like nods to me, like, go. So I go to the chief's hut, and, um, and the chiefs have special huts. They're these uh, like double-walled huts. They have an inner chamber that's their space, and then they have this uh, like antechamber, like a, um, a space around the hut that's also sheltered. And I'd never been in the chief's hut. I'd never been in the chief's antechamber, but I can see that he's sitting in there on this chair, and he beckons me forth, and so I go in. And he's sitting in this chair, and there's a little stool. And I sit down in the stool, and he doesn't say anything. And he just reaches next to him, and he grabs um, two kalabash gourds that sort of fit into each other. They sort of nest, like one on top of the other. And he passes them to me, like really carefully. Like they're these precious, sacred gourds. And so I. I take them in my hands and I look at him and it's this moment our eyes meet and he's like, I'm sharing something reverent and sacred and secret with you and I feel the weight of it. And I look down and I open the gourd and inside is a marble. And it's a clear marble with kind of the the rainbow swirls through it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> and it's also like, well, totally. If I had never seen a marble in my life, I would look at this, and I would, I would definitely think this is a fallen star. And I look at it, and I look at him, and he's waiting. And I look back at it, and then I take it out of the cord, and I'm holding it in my hand, and I say, Chief, you're right. The stars are cold. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks to Lindsay for sharing that story. If you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narrative storytelling event, go to ravennarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page. You can also see a gallery of our storytellers and find out what the themes will be for future events. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Support for the Raven Narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com. Now for an outtake. <laughs> uh, capital of Dakar, Senegal, which is the farthest pointing spot in the Atlantic Ocean from the Euro-African continent. And we land there, and then you get into a car, and you go down the longest, hottest, straightest desert road all the way across the country to almost the Malian border for oh, some range between 9 and 16 hours in low-functioning vehicles. And then you take a right. And then, <laughs> and then you take a right. <laughs> Drive for 16 hours right. and then take a right. Then take a right. It's the only right. You can't miss Great it. Great directions. I yeah. feel like I could totally go there. You can. You would never miss this right. It's the only one. <laughs>